Welcome to the Next Level Youth Podcast. Here you will find sermons and content from Next Level Youth. We meet every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. at the Palace of Praise Church. We hope this content challenges and encourages you in your walk of faith. Let's grow in Christ together. Last Thursday was uh, my wife and I's 10th wedding anniversary. Yeah. 10 years. 10 years. It's crazy. Some of y'all are barely older than 10. But I love you. And you got to still love me, even though I've got gray in my beard. Um, and like every time an anniversary comes around, I do some, I like to reflect on things and not to get caught in the past, but I do like to remember. Um, it's pretty cool. We videoed our uh, wedding and most anniversaries we sit down and watch it. We didn't this year. Surprised um, that didn't happen, but we didn't. Um, but 10 years ago, I pledged my life and my love to that woman over there, Amy, 10 years ago, we left, I left my mom and dad, thank God, she left her mom and dad, thank God, and we became one. And here's the truth, uh, not every day has been perfect, and I will not say that we have not had hard times, uh, and we haven't went through a lot of things, because we have, we went through a lot together, things that, a lot of things out of our control, honestly, um, but I know this. I know that, and this is not a marriage sermon, so just hang with me. Um, kind of. I, no one told me that marriage just keeps getting better. Um, I just don't know that I've heard that a lot over my life. Uh, like, as you, it seems as people get Deeper into marriage, there's like this whole ball and chain mentality, like, ah, I just drag her around, you know what I mean? Or he just drags me around. And, um, and that's not everybody, of course. Uh, but uh, the truth is, when it comes to marriage, um, it just keeps getting deeper, it keeps getting richer and, and better, and honestly, more enjoyable. Um, that's just the truth. And... You might say, are you sitting here, is this some kind of flex? Uh, are you like saying, you can't have a marriage as good as mine? No, not at all. Is this a flex? No, uh, not at all. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons that our marriage is really great. Uh, I think that um, a big one, the grace of God, the biggest one. Um, but second, or, or around the, the, one of the main things, is the truth of the matter is we've just both stuck it to our vows. Like those vows we made 10 years ago, we've stuck to it. Sickness and health, we've stuck with each other. Um, and it's really that simple. Um, we have kept our promise to one another, and the truth of the matter is divorce is not a word that leaves my nor her mouth when it comes to talking about one another because it's not an option. We made a vow. Above all human beings, my affection and attention and devotion above all other humans is to my wife. Not my son, not my friends, not you, but my wife. 
That's the way it is. And here's the truth of the matter. I don't have a side piece. I don't have another that my heart belongs to. I don't have another human that my, my, that my heart belongs to. I don't have any side piece, and she doesn't either. I want you to come here for a second, Amy, if you would. Um, so, when you get married, like, you hold hands, right? Are you tracking with me so far? I'm going to have her come right here. Because I don't want to get off track. Because I could easily get off track right now, can't I? So, I don't want to do that. All right. Can I have somebody come help me? Lily, come here. Can you help me? Thank you so much. You're so kind. Can you stand right here? Thank you. All right. Here's the thing. Can you hold your mic up right here? Yeah. Not to you, to us. Oh. You're killing it. It's all right. That's not on you. you. I didn't ask her. I just asked her right now. So this is on me. All right? Here's the truth. The reason that our marriage works is because my full attention, affection, devotion is on her. And hers is on me. We're not perfect in it, but we pursue it. And when we mess up and we get out of line, we keep going back to one another. We straighten each other out. We go back to one another. But it would not work. Here, go with me. It would not work if I had a side piece. Just go with me for a minute. So I'm going to have my wife stand right here. When I, if you have a side piece in your marriage, and I, I, I was going to use different things, a Barbie doll, different things like that. That's not, just go with me. Use your imagination. I didn't want to limit it to another human being. Oftentimes we think about a side piece. That's a, a, a husband and a wife who have people on the side they go to for certain things. That's what a side piece is, all right, if you didn't know that. I don't have one. She doesn't either. You're like, oh, my gosh, you're going there. Yes, hang with me for a minute. If you have a side piece in your marriage, you can't give your full attention, affection, devotion to one or the other because one is always wanting your attention. I look over here. She's pulling me back. Amy pulls me over here. This is pulling me this way. There's tension. It does not work. Are you tracking with me? Do I have to go any farther with that? You get the picture. You can be seated. Thank you so much. I love you, babe. Thank you, Lily. You can be seated. Oh, wow. Side pieces don't work in marriage, whether it's a person I'm going somewhere. Whether it's a phone screen, it's a person on your phone, a virtual person or a video or a, you know where I'm going with that. Whether it's a hobby or a friend group or my career, if that was the case and another had my affection in my heart, my marriage wouldn't work. And if that was that way for Amy, it wouldn't work that way either. And the truth of the matter is it would totally go against the way God designed marriage. Marriage is between two people. You give your full attention, your devotion to that person and nothing and no one else when it comes to human beings. And my wife would never put up with me having a side piece. And I wouldn't either. Now, she's jealous, y'all. She's been that way since I met her. She don't put up with it. And that's not a bad thing. We say that word jealous and everybody's like, that's a bad word. No, not when it comes to love, it's not. Not when it comes to love, it's not. Why do I say all this? Side pieces don't work in marriage, and they don't work when it comes to God either. They don't work in marriage, and they don't work when it com comes to God either. I want to talk to you for just a little bit. Sermon entitled, Just Jesus, No Side Piece. Just Jesus, No Side Piece. 
God is not going to put up with us having a side piece. He is not going to share the space that He belongs in your soul and in your heart with no other person nor thing. He won't put up with it. God doesn't just want part of you. He wants all of you. It's in the vow. It's in the vow. Matthew 22, 36 through 40 says this, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? They're talking to Jesus. Which is the greatest commandment? And this is key verse here, verse 37. He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Just leave that there for a moment. He wanted to be abundantly clear. He didn't just say all and then kept moving on. He made sure. He said all in front of every single word there. Heart, soul, mind. I want all of you. He wanted to leave no room for lack of interpretation what he's trying to say or error. All. Verse 38. This is the greatest and first commandment. And second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Hear me. If you're going to follow Jesus Christ, He is not going to settle for any less than your full. Your full attention. Your full devotion. Your full affection. All your heart. All your soul. All your mind. He doesn't put up with side pieces. And you're like saying, I don't really understand what you're saying. Hopefully by the end of the night, you're going to get this. It's going to stick in your heart, your soul, and your mind. It's in the vow. Second, God is jealous for you. He's jealous for you. Deuteronomy 4.24, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Exodus 34 and Exodus 20, I'll read those in a moment. But the people of God are struggling not having idols, not having side pieces. And this is what Jesus says, or excuse me, the Word of God says in Exodus 34, verse 14. For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. Exodus 20, verse 4 and 5. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. He's being very clear. Nothing that occupies the heavens, the earth, or under the earth is worthy of the position that God wants to take in your life. Verse 5. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for the Lord your God am a what? Jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. God is jealous for you. He can't stand it if you have another one who sits in the place of your life, who's the idol in your life, the place that he belongs. He does not like it. He's jealous. And this is not a negative thing. It's an incredible thing. That God loves me so much and He wants me so much that He won't settle for less of me. John Piper says this, and I just want to be clear. When I quote someone, that doesn't mean that I think everything they say is, is gospel. All right? So if you are listening to someone, you say, Zach quoted them, but that doesn't sound, 
Does he believe? Like, no. All right? Just because I quote someone doesn't mean we agree on everything, but we can still be brothers in Christ. All right? All right. John Piper says this. Now it's true. It's just plain. Straight up on the face of it, true that God commands our affections that they be entirely his. It's plain. It's clear. He commands us. All your affection is supposed to be his. Three, God demands all of you. I've already said it, but we'll just emphasize it again. John Piper says this. Also, God is the greatest good in the universe. He is the greatest joy. He is all, he is the all-satisfying pleasure. He is the all-satisfying pleasure. God is the only one worthy of all of you. He's the only one worthy of it. He's worthy of all of me. He's worthy of all of, all of you. Fourth sub-point is this. Giving all of yourself to God is what you're created to do. Do you understand that? It's what you were created to do. You were created for full devotion, full worship to the one true God. You were created for an intimate relationship with the God of the universe and you refusing to do so goes a very, against the very thing you were made to do. It is in your DNA to not have your life be yourself, your own life, excuse me, or the life of another, but it's, it's in your DNA for you to give your life to God the Father, the God of the universe, Jesus Christ. It's in Side of you. It's how you were created. And to go against that, you'll feel the tension. And some of y'all are already feeling the tension right here, right now. You're already feeling it. And you know. That's not a bad thing that you know. God is after you. God wants all of you, and He's not going to settle for your crumbs. He's not going to do it. Now that we've established that, we've got a baseline at least somewhat could have spent more time there. We won't. I want to quickly, hopefully, look at three passages in Luke where Jesus is addressing people who have a side piece problem. Luke 9, we're going to read them fast, 57 through 62. Try to pay attention if you can. We'll read three passages. They're not very long, pretty quickly. Luke 9, 57 through 62. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. What a bold statement. That's the vow. You say that sounds bold. Well, that's what you agreed to. Anyway, moving on. Verse 58, and he said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, I don't have a house, yo. That's like the 2010 slang, right? RIP 2010. Anyway, moving on. What a good year. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my house. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Some heavy-handed things to say, are they not? Luke 14, 25 through 27. Now great crowds accompanied Jesus and turned to him and said to them, or excuse me, and he turned and said to them, 
If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Luke 16, verse 13. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You can't do it. Let's talk about side pieces for just a minute, for just a little while, all right? First one I want to talk to you about is money. Can you put Luke 16, 13 back up for me? You cannot serve God and money. You can't do it. 1 Timothy 6.10 For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs, many problems, much pain. Hear me out. Money is not evil. Money's not evil. You ever heard anybody say, money's evil? You ever heard that before? That's bad theology. That's a different translation of the Bible I've never read. That must be the me version. I never read that one. It's not in there. Money isn't evil, but the love of it, the infatuation of it, is. It's so easy to be seduced by money. And maybe you're not there yet, but you're not far from it. And you're already experiencing it. They're already after you. Apple is coming for you, bro. They want to make you a disciple the rest of your life. They already got you. They got the hook in you. And I can see it. And for a small fee, I'll get that hook out. Amen. I got to feed my family. Money ain't bad. It's easy to put money in a place it doesn't belong. It's easy to elevate it to God's status. It's easy. Jesus talked about money a lot for good reason. And I don't think we talk about it near enough in church. That's just truth, and that's on me too. Money is an unworthy God. It is not worthy of your affection and all your affection and devotion. It's not. And the truth of the matter is, if you chase money, it'll leave you empty and begging for more. Enough is never enough. Why do you think those fools on Shark Tank, which is a lame show sometimes, but anyway, go with me. They got billions, billions, and billions of dollars. You can, if you make $5 million, you can live off the interest for the rest of your life. You know why they keep doing what they're doing? Because they love money. Because enough is never enough. It's never enough. And you know what I'm talking about. You get those new shoes. You know what I'm saying? You've been looking at You've been eyeballing them. You get them. And then a month later, they're not so great anymore. Enough's never enough. It's never enough. All right. What are some markers? What are some red flags? All right. Maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you are that tell you that money is your, look at this beautiful, this, that beautiful side piece. I'll give you this for $5. Anyway, that was a joke. Wasn't funny. Here's one. 
this is worthy of, of more than a whole sermon, but here's the question. If you're a follower of God, the question is, do you pay your tithes? If you have a job and you have income, do you pay your tithes? What am I talking about? In Scripture, it's pretty plain, it's pretty clear. God commands us to give 10% of our income back to Him, back to the church. That's what we're to do. And to be clear, it's not because God needs our money. If you think God needs your money, you've got a bad theology of money. It's all His. You understand that. I hope you understand that. Psalms 24.1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It's all His. He gave it to you. If you don't believe that, if you say, no, I work for it. No, He gave you the hands. He gave you the ability to work for it, and He can take it from you anytime He well pleases. It's all His. It's all His. God commands us to give 10% of what we make for our benefit, not His. It's about our benefit. It's for our benefit to help us, to help prevent us from falling in love with money. To remind us where it all comes from. God doesn't get your 10% if you've got the 10% to give. He gets your 10% before you pay another. Do you understand? It's His. Why is this important? Your bank statement has a lot to say about what you value the most. And maybe you don't feel that yet. Maybe you don't have much cash. I remember when I was a kid, if I had 80 or 100 bucks, I was, man, I was, I was living. But I could buy a lot with 100 bucks back in the day. Pray for that deflation. Amen? Do you possess your possessions or do they possess you? That's really the question. John Foreman says either you, you possess your possessions or they possess you. Which one is it? If that's the case, it's not too late. I've told this before. I was about to get married. I'll remind you. Ten years ago. Amen. And I had this number in my mind. i got to save to this number because I'll feel better when I get to this number. And I'm telling you, I got there and it didn't, I didn't feel any better than when I had way less. It's just never enough. It's never enough. And, and my wife and I have stories of the faithfulness of God uh, Amy, when Owen was born, we had an $8,000 hospital bill. It just so happened that I had a Tacoma. I, I sold for eight grand. I bought a new truck that I didn't know I needed, but the Lord told me to because he said you need it. I took the eight grand from uh, the Tacoma and put it towards hospital bills. And you say, you did that. No, God did that. You don't understand I wasn't looking for a truck. I got this truck four days before Owen was born. He came five weeks early. I had no idea what was coming, but God did. God's always taking care of us every time, and he will be faithful if you will elevate him and make him Lord of everything, including your finances. He will show up, and he will show out, I promise you. Moving on, second thing that might be a problem for you that might be your side piece is this. People, people. I won't spend too much time here, Lord willing. Back to Luke 14, 26. Look at the person next to you. Look at the other person next to you. That's a person. Luke, just in case you need to know. Luke 14, 26. If anyone comes to me 
and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Luke 9, 9 59 through 62, to another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go bury my father. Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Verse 61, another said, I'll follow you. But Lord, let me say farewell to those at my house. He said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom. There's a lot there. This is what I'll tell you. You read the word hate in the Bible. You're like, we're not supposed to hate. This is Semitic language. This is not, this is not mean you literally hate them, it means that you do not put people, husband, husband, wife, kids, friends, whoever it is, brother, sister, mom, dad, you do not put them in the place that only Jesus belongs. You do not elevate them to God's status. Christ takes precedence over every other human relationship. Your ultimate loyalty is not to your mom and dad, it's to Christ. Your ultimate loyalty is not to your boyfriend or your girlfriend, it's to Christ. Our aim should be to please Him. To please Him. The one who should have ultimate authority over your life is Him. Just like money, people are crappy gods. They're crappy gods. They're unworthy of a position that can only be held by Christ, so stop trying. Stop trying to elevate people to God's status. That's what Jesus is telling us. Just me. I'm all you need. You don't need another. You don't need a side piece. Here's some markers quickly. I didn't feel like I need to spend much time here. Markers to know whether people are a side piece for you. Are you ready? Me or May. When trouble comes, who do you run to? Who do you run to? People or God? Who? Here's another. Do you have a hard time keeping friendships? Hear me out. Perhaps you're putting expectations on people that they will crumble under the weight of. Perhaps you're putting expectations on people that they will never measure up to. If you're quickly offended by someone, perhaps you've put them in God status and they'll never measure up. They're never going to measure up. Some of y'all hope you get what I'm trying to say. Who are you most worried about pleasing? People or God? Markers of whether or not you know people are a side piece for you. Number three. Third marker is this. Luke 9, back to Luke 9, verse 57 and 58. As they were going along the road, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. So Jesus didn't ask them. He was there, but he didn't initiate this. They said, I'm going to follow you. Verse 58, and Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds have their nests, but the Son of God has nowhere to lay his head. Third, perhaps side piece for you is security. Safety, comfort, security. A person says, I want to follow you, Jesus. Jesus says, are you sure? I don't own a house. I don't have a comfy bed to go home to. I don't know where I'm going to put my head down tonight. Well, he did. He was Jesus, but you, you get me. He knew. I don't have a safe haven. This life I'm living that you say you want to live, it's not easy. It's not safe. 
It's not comfortable. You sure? You sure that's what you want? You sure you want to follow me? Let me get in your business for a minute. Where do you find the most... Let God get in your business. Where do you find the most comfort and safety? Is it in your home? Is it in your room? Is it in the arms of another? Is it in a crowded room? Is it all alone? Is it a tub of ice cream? Or another piece of... I'm being serious. Or another piece of pizza? Or a whole pizza? Where do you find safety and comfort? What makes you feel safe? Money in the bank account? A thick blanket on your bed? The comfy PJs and sweaters? None of those things I just mentioned are necessarily in and of themselves bad, but God will not put up with them being your side piece. He won't. He won't do it. Where you run to and what you run to in times of trouble says a lot about who your God really is. Where you run to and who you run to in times of trouble says a lot about who your God really is. Our God is jealous and He won't stand for you putting someone or something in the place that's meant for Him and only Him. Instead, 2 Corinthians 1, 3-5, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. So we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Why do I get emotional? There are moments that have happened in my life that I have found myself Literally at the end of myself. And absolutely in these moments where I was overwhelmed to the point of laying on the floor, shivering and trembling without being able to speak a word. In those moments, and I've had a few. I found that these verses are true. That I know that in that moment I had a choice. And I could either embrace the darkness that surrounded me or I could run to the God of all comfort. And thanks be to God because of the grace of God in those moments when I couldn't speak another word, I spoke the name of Jesus. And he met me where I was. And he picked me up. Maybe not literally instantly, but he picked me up out of the place I was in. And he set me in his lap. And he held me. And he said, I got you. Don't have to get to the end of, your, end of yourself before you find out that God is the one who you should seek. 
for security and for comfort and for peace. Moving on. Almost done. Luke 14, 33. Therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Last point tonight, be willing to lay down everything. Be willing to lay down everything. This verse encapsulates this whole talk. If God is going to have the proper place in your life, if you're going to be devoted to Him and Him alone, double-handed, no thing or person on the side, then anything and everything in your life must be up for grabs for Him. I'm going to explain. Meaning, you don't hold on to anything that God asked you or is asking you to lay down. This is what I mean. God asks us to lay things down in His Word. He makes it pretty plain. His commands are pretty plain. If He told you not to do something or to do something, you're supposed to either not do it or do it. It's not really up for your interpretation or up to you. If God asks something of you, please don't fight Him on it. Willingly turn the other way or turn to Jesus. Willingly do it. Don't fight Him. Stop fighting them. Stop. Stop trying to justify it. Go to the throne of grace. Tell Him what you've done. Tell Him what's hard for you to do. And let Him help you. This is not a legalistic sermon. This is a sermon that says, ultimately, all things flow from intimacy with God. And if you'll get close to Him, you will come to a place where He's constantly asking you to die to things. And He's constantly not letting you have another idol in your life. He wants you. And man, if you'll acquiesce, you'll find out. If you just give in, you'll find out. You want him too. The things he asks and the things that he is asking. There's stuff in your life. The longer you follow Jesus. I don't struggle with pornography anymore. I don't struggle with substances. There's things I don't struggle with that you struggle with. It's because I'm 32. And you're younger than me. And I've been in this game a while. And it's not a game, but I've been following Jesus a long time. So the things I struggle with are different than yours. And the things God asks me of are different than what you're dealing with. But as I get older, God starts to ask me of a lot of things. And a lot of the times what he's correcting in me is motives and intention. But I want to give you a couple examples that aren't so deep. I could go deep here. I won't. There was a few years ago I was obsessed with fishing. It was bad side piece in it, like paying attention. God over here, oh. God asked me, he said, you've been so obsessed, you've been watching so much content, worried so much about fishing, he said, you're going to lay it down. You're going to lay it down for a month. And guess what month this was? It was April. It was April. You're going to lay it down for a month. I don't want you watching fishing. I don't want you going fishing. None of it. And I had to. I laid it down. Not without a struggle, but I laid it down. And who knows what would have happened if I wouldn't have listened. I'm thankful I didn't. This past year, I'll share two more things. This past year, I've been bow hunting since I was 13 years old for whitetail deer. God specifically told me, he said, you're not bow hunting this year. 
for a few different reasons. There was a few. He, he taught me some things, but I laid it down. There's another thing, and I'll just share it with you. He said, you rely on food too much. God's asked me in my own way to give some things up. And it's not, details don't matter. Details don't matter, but I'm telling you, God will not put up with you having a God above him. And you're not going to have it all figured out right here, right now. But in this process of following Jesus, the closer you get, the more he's going to ask. And he's patient. He's patient with you. He's patient. This is a process. Don't resist the process. Don't withhold anything from him. Be willing to lay it all down. I'm telling you right now. If you're hesitant to lay anything down that he asks, perhaps your heart has been given to another. In closing, Acts 20, verse 24, Paul said this. this is, I want this to be true of me. I want it to be true of you. I do not count my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course, the ministry that I've received from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel the grace of God. I don't know about you, I'm tired of fighting with God. I'm to a point where I'm asking, Holy Spirit, give me the power. If you ask anything, I'll put it down. Hear me. If you haven't heard me all night, if you've been following Jesus, you think you got this figured out, I pray you get to a place where when God asks anything of you, you're going to lay it down. If he says, abandon your plans, you'll lay them down. If he says, abandon that career you thought you were going to get, that you'll lay it down. If he says, hey, you don't need to be with a boy or a girl right now, I want your affection and devotion that you're willing to lay it down. Hey, you don't need to watch that much TikTok, lay it down. This isn't legalism. This is relationship. It takes work. I have to intentionally work on the relationship with my wife. That's part of why we stand here today strong and better off than I was last month and last year and the year before that. It's the same with the Lord. It's the same with the Lord. I found that when I will lay down whatever it is He brings to my attention, that I won't miss it. That when I do that, I'll find joy in Him. And the lighter I get, don't resist him. I'm about to wrap it up. Right here, right now. Can I get really serious with you for a minute? And you might say, you've been serious all night. I agree. I just want to reemphasize this, and I just because I feel pulled to. This goes for anyone in this room who says they've been following the Lord. I'm just telling y'all, I'm just telling you, God is moving, and if you're paying attention, um, you can see it. And I'm not just talking about here, I'm, I'm talking about in the world, I'm talking about in this nation, I'm talking about. 
things going on in the Pacific Nor Northwest, things going on in New York City, things going on just out west in Springfield, Missouri. There's some things happening. And I know, I know, I, this is not for everyone. I, I wish it was. I, I hope you find yourself here, but I just want you to know something. If you're a follower of Jesus and you say, I want to be used by him, you best submit and you best consecrate yourself because if you don't start submitting and you don't, don't start letting the God of the universe cut on you, then he will find you unusable for what he's about to do. And he will actually get you out of his way. And he will let someone else take the place you were meant to occupy. It's getting that serious. It's not that he's not gracious. I think he's already after you. I think he's already dealing with you. I really do. I think he's already been speaking to you. I think this is just... A light bulb going off. I think that's all this is. I think God's already working on his people, and he's being very patient with you, but his patience is about to shift, and it's about to look a different way. It's about to be, hey, it's going to start to get really bad for you because I'm tired of the side piece business. I want all of you. I want all of you. I'm tired of it. And that grace will lift, and it'll look different, and that's what I mean. You're going to start to reap what you've been sowing. It's coming. I'm just telling you. It's coming. And this is not fear-mongering. This is the truth. I'm telling you. Get intimate. Get close with God. Whatever he asks, give it to him. Because if you don't, when he comes, you're going to ask him to leave. You're going to ask him. You're going to say, I don't want you here. Because you're getting in my business. Just Jesus, no side piece. What, if any, I hope you don't, but if you do, do you have one? Does another have your attention, your affection, your devotion that belongs to the Lord? Another question, are you ready to lay it down? May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Thank you for tuning in. God bless.